as I grew older, I started learning a little bit about the modern food system and how toxic it is. And I started cleaning up my diet and one thing led to another. And I decided to loop back around to what I used to do as a kid. But a lot of it, we just, we network and we work with local food systems and and work that way. People just, oh my gosh, we need to grow some food. I'm going to buy these hundred packs of seeds, even though, you know, probably half of them wouldn't even do well in their climate. Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense, common knowledge, or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do, but only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast and the Surviving Hard Times Podcast. I have Elise Pickett. She runs the Urban Harvest LLC. She has a YouTube channel, The Urban Harvest. She has a website also called The Urban Harvest. So Elise, thanks for coming. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Yeah, tell me a bit about your background. How did you get into growing your own food and composting and doing all these things, homesteading, I guess? Yeah, it was an interesting journey, I suppose. I had to garden with my dad when I was a kid and, and that kind of thing, but it was never like a big part of what I did. Uh, and I, as I grew older, I started learning a little bit about the modern food system and how toxic it is. And I started cleaning up my diet and one thing led to another. And I decided to loop back around to what I used to do as a kid garden grow some of my own foods that I knew exactly what was going in it. And, you know, things just kind of grew from there. I started growing a lot of my own food and friends and family were asking tips and it just kind of evolved from there. So do you grow just for friends and family or do you have like a CSA where you make food boxes for people or what does it look like today? Yeah. So my main mission, my goal is always education. I don't sell anything commercially, although I did at for a short while, I sold commercial microgreens and that kind of thing, but I've definitely stepped back from that. I have a <laughs> laundry list of friends and family that are more than happy to take up excess produce. So I work on a super small lot. I work in 5,600 square foot urban lot in the middle of a city. So every inch counts and we have a lot of bounty to harvest, but um, we're certainly not completely self-sufficient, unfortunately. Okay. Well, what, what are you growing? What kinds of things are you growing and husbanding? Like, are you doing animal husbandry as well or just vegetables? Uh, yeah, we do vegetables. We do chickens. We're completely self-sufficient in leafy greens, black beans, bananas, herbs, ginger, turmeric, eggs, all that good stuff. So we meet certain things where we completely meet our needs within our small space. But a lot of it, we just, we network and we work with local food systems and, and work that way. What are some of the uh, the difficult inputs that you just can't produce yourself? Is it seeds? Is it compost? Is it other things? I would say the limiting factor on such a small space would be seeds. I save a lot of my own seed for things that I can't find. So I grow my own black beans. I do Ethiopian kale. I do Egyptian spinach and some of the things that aren't super common and that I know probably wouldn't be as easy to source. But I also carry a pretty extensive collection of seeds. I do a curated collection of seeds 
for people who follow me or are interested in, in learning what grows well in our area. So sourcing seeds is, it takes um, a lot of space. How much time and effort and space does it take to produce seeds or are there ones that you just can't get seeds from them? Yeah. So the, a couple of years ago, right. Um, the pandemic made people a lot more aware of the food system and its potential pitfalls. And so everybody started buying seed like crazy. And I, I've been working with my seed suppliers and stuff for a long time. And we had a, I had a commercial account and everything. And they said that they saw quadruple the sales and they were selling out of things. And it, it was a lot of people just, oh my gosh, we need to grow some food. I'm going to buy these hundred packs of seeds, even though, you know, probably half of them wouldn't even do well in their climate. So that was definitely a issue. And I think with increased demand, if there's fertilizer shortages or anything else like that, if there's any kink in the system, seeds are going to become ever more valuable. Is it hard to produce your own seeds? Like what, what does it involve? I don't think that it's hard. No, I think it's actually, in fact, easier than most people think. The issue, especially when you're working on a real small scale, is keeping things far enough apart so that they're not cross-pollinating. Cross-pollinating is not necessarily the end of the world, but you know, if you want to keep your two different squashes that you like to grow be their own squash, they have to be far enough from each other to produce seed that you save that's true to its parent. And so I do things like, you know, I grow my sweet peppers in the front yard and I grow my hot peppers in the backyard. And that's enough, but for stuff that really needs a lot of space, you know, it, it can definitely be limiting. Um, do you grow just outdoors or have you tried growing in like, you know, in a greenhouse or shipping container or inside the house? Yeah, I don't personally. I try as much as possible to do minimal inputs. So, and we're in a super small house as well as a small lot. So we don't have the room indoors. We're also in Florida. So greenhouses are the opposite of what we need. We need shade houses. <laughs> yeah. So I don't do any of that. I even start my own seeds outdoors. I, I have a video on, on that on my YouTube channel, but you know, you can maximize space by, you know, go, going indoors and stuff if you really needed to. But a lot of times you can grow outside just fine and I worked with Will Allen of Growing Power up in Wisconsin, and I remember I was mentoring under him, and we were up there in February. And I'm total Florida girl, right? So like, I don't, I don't get that snow thing or the cold. It's just so foreign to me. But he was growing year round, and he did have plastic hoop houses, but he heated them completely passively using compost piles. So you know, having tech helps, but you can also grow food even in extreme conditions pretty easily or pretty low input. Oh, that's good to know. So you're in Florida. You don't really need to do that. You're <laughs> yeah. able to grow pretty much year round. You, you have to change what you grow or oh, the same thing grow over and over. Yeah. Well, I mean, year after year, I tend to grow the same things, but seasons definitely change on here. I do grow year rounds. So like leafy greens, for example, you know, um, everybody thinks of lettuce, salad greens, you know, spinach, that kind of thing. Those all would absolutely kick the bucket for at least six, if, you know, not eight months out of the year, they just, they won't do well here, especially depending on where you are in Florida, South Florida, it's like a four month season for lettuce, but you can grow alternatives. You can grow Ethiopian kale. You can grow rocket arugula. You can grow Malabar spinach and Egyptian spinach and all of these other great leafy greens, amaranth and 
and stuff that tastes just like salad. It just isn't lettuce. So I definitely switch and adjust according to the seasons. Okay. So what for people that, you know, haven't grown anything and they're just starting out like you did once, how can they dip their toe in? You know, if they're afraid, they're afraid of like the work or they're afraid of the time or they're afraid it won't work or they're just like, help me. I'm just starting. What can they do? Well, I think that's honestly one of the really big misconceptions about growing food is that you need a lot of time or even a lot of space. You don't want, well, number one, it doesn't matter what you're doing if you're growing food. So even if you have a single pot growing on your windowsill of your apartment, you're still growing food. I think people like discount it and they're like, oh, well, I don't have like, you know, this giant raised bed garden or whatever. As long as you're growing something, doing good. But with that being said, you know, yes, I've kind of learned some of like, you know, I, I, I went through years, you know, trial and error and figuring things out and stuff. And yes, I, I kind of have the hang of it now, but I only spend like, I'm, I feel lucky if I spend an hour or two a week in the garden, like I'm feeling like I'm doing pretty darn good if I get that much time in the garden. And I, I have, I, yes. Wow. Yeah. And I'm front to back. I literally, my entire landscape Aside from, I do incorporate lots of um, native wildflowers and stuff. I grow completely organic, better than organic, you know, so I definitely include a lot of plants for that, but everything's food. So we have a medicine, food, med- we have food growing, we have medicine growing. We have, I have, I'm looking at my tree. I've got peppercorn vine growing up it, you know, we've got fruit trees and I only spend a couple hours a week. Now, if you were brand new out of the box, you might be needing to spend some time Googling you know, a problem here or there, reaching out to somebody who knows what they're doing and, you know, communicating about that. But even so, you know, I think it takes a lot less time than people think. Now there is like, you know, depending on how many seasons you have in your area where, where you are in the country, you know, you might, you'll have your seasonal setup. So you might spend, you know, a day at the beginning of the season, you know, getting your garden beds prepped or whatever, but for the most part, it, it could be five minutes walking through your garden with your cup of coffee before you head to work. And that's probably more than sufficient for most of the time. Before we continue, I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, We need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click on Support Us. We have three levels of membership from $10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click Support Us today. Now back to the show. That's That's amazing. What about pests? Is that a problem? And what are some strategies to you know help avoid pests that destroy all your stuff? Yeah. So pests, it's like you work so hard for it and then here they come. We're I'm in Florida, so we have incredibly high pest pressure. Um, we don't have cold snaps to kill things back. We get nematodes and all sorts of stuff that the majority of the country doesn't have to deal with. And I don't treat. I don't spray pest sprays. I... It took a long time to get to that acceptance point, but, you know, I, I would read and I'd learn and I'd listen and, and a lot of the people that I would find to have 
successful gardens and profitable businesses and everything, they would say, just step back, you know, let nature do it for you. And at first I kind of did, I didn't really spray too much, but you know, I'd go out there and I'd handpick all the caterpillars or I'd, you know, really like monitor for one thing or another. And the more I stepped back, the more I would watch and observe nature doing it for me. You know, I, I see parasitic wasps hovering around my squash plants looking for caterpillars to lay their eggs in. I'll watch the lizards and the blue jays, even the birds in our area will literally sit and flick through the leaf litter, picking out bugs for me. I'll, you know, it's, it's a whole ecosystem and this has always been here that those animals have always been feeding on the things that are bugging us, you know? So when we, when we go in there and we kill them all off, they go look, look for food elsewhere. Mm, but if, okay. they have, if they have a buffet and they know where to go, guess, you know, that's where they're going to start their morning. <laughs> they're going to be, they know cool. that they can, they can check out the garden and they'll find something good to eat. And it's way less yeah. work, way less money. You know, it's, it, it's challenging at first. I'm not saying you're going to have every single plant make it, but I think it's well worth the, the occasional losses for, for what you gain. You know, it's funny. I realized your last name is perfect for what you do. Picket. <laughs> I know. I even have a picket fence out front. <laughs> Maybe you do a company called Grow It and Picket, you know? <laughs> Grow It's not a real person. So what's, um, now that you've learned all this, what's, uh, what's next for you? You're just happy to continue growing and educating or are there certain big projects you want to work on? A little bit of both. Education, I don't see changing anytime. I've, I'm really passionate about what I do. And I, I think that we, there's been several generations where we've just kind of lost touch with growing food. And before, even if you didn't actively grow, or even if you lived in a city, you had grandparents or parents or whatever that lived and had that knowledge in them. And we've kind of had a break in that passing down of information or that exposure, even if it wasn't like direct here, this is what you do. We always had just kind of like that general awareness of this is when you plant your stuff and this is when you harvest it. This is how you harvest it. And we don't have that anymore. And if people needed to grow their own food, or if people chose to start growing their own food again, which studies are showing they are, it's been on an upward swing significantly and continuously for several decades now, they're going to need to start somewhere. And when you hit roadblock after roadblock, it can be discouraging. It can, it can be tough if you keep trying to plant the same thing in the same season or whatever and lose it every time. So my goal is to just fill that information gap and get people that knowledge, that, that startup knowledge that they need to have the confidence to grow their own food. Uh, so I will be doing this for the long haul, but I do intend on um, purchase a larger lot. I really want to show people as many different ways as possible to grow their own food and what the, the capabilities are with the space. So I currently can show, you know, container gardening, like on a balcony, I can show a small urban lot. I'd like to purchase a half acre or so in the city still, just so I can have it, people come to it and experience it and see it firsthand. But that way I can show people scale. And, you know, if you have this, this is what your potential might be. And if you have something a little bigger, this is what it could look like for you. So that's something that I'm working towards in the next couple of years here. Before we get started, I have a quick favor. I've been self-funding the Finding Genius podcast for five years now. I've done over 3,000 episodes. And as you can see on YouTube, we're up over a million views on the channel, which is fantastic. 
The next thing I really want to push on is to get up to 10,000 subscribers. Because once we do, we'll be able to put a donate button and uh, we'll be able to solicit donations uh, to help keep the podcast running and to also get the Finding Genius Foundation moving along. We have a big project studying anxiety, depression, and PTSD and working on a product to help people overcome these problems uh, because I've seen them explode recently after the, uh, you know, the last two years of the whole virus situation. So if you would, please subscribe to the podcast. That would help us tremendously. Give us a thumbs up. And check in the description for Buy Me a Coffee. It's about five bucks. If you could buy me a coffee, I'd really appreciate it. It would help keep the channel going. And I love coffee. Thank you. Okay. Have you thought about starting a CSA? Or again, you want to stay just on the education side? I'd really like to just stay in the education side. There's a lot of people that are really passionate about growing food, especially in our area. And they do a beautiful job at it. I think that there's absolutely 110% a place for localized food systems, CSA programs, urban farming, absolutely 100%. But I also think that it's important for people to have the knowledge and the capability within themselves to grow that food. Mm. And so even if people learn a little bit, just enough to get them started, then I think that at least they have that ability to build on it later should they choose. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Have you uh, delved into hydroponics or aquaponics or yeah. you're just sticking with the, you know, the basics? No, I, I've definitely run the gamut. I'm not honestly, and I, some people go up in arms about this. I am not a huge fan of hydroponics only because I really, really emphasize and try to focus a lot of my effort and my abilities on closing the loop as much as possible. And when you are doing hydroponics, you're constantly needing a nutrient input. So what happens if there's, you know, trucking issues, what happens if there's a fertilizer shortage, you can't grow your food. So aquaponics, I think is a step in the right direction. You're creating a system that potentially has the capability to self-sustain itself, which is definitely leagues better than the other. But I also think that it's, you know, and it has a place if you're actually looking at the fish as a food source, then sure, I like it. Um, but it does have a lot of inputs and time. So it's higher tech, I suppose you could call it than what growing food needs to be. So I guess if, you know, if, if you were only using it to grow your food and you weren't really using or looking at the fish or shrimp or crayfish or whatever you're using in your system, if you're not looking at it for a food source, then I think it's overcomplicated to be blunt. <laughs> oh yeah. So if you're not going to eat the fish or the shrimp or the crayfish, if you're not going to eat everything in the system, eventually then it's, it may not be the best, smartest thing. Right. It's just extra input. Why put the energy forth if you're not going to use it as a, as a resource? So I, our, I make all of our own soil fertility on site. I compost. I do massive composting. I collect scraps from local breweries and coffee shops and our own vegetable waste and that kind of thing. And I compost a lot, like yards and yards and yards, a couple hundred pounds a week. Oh, wow. I also have worm bins. i a huge fan of the worm castings. It is such a well-rounded fertilizer. You can start seeds in it. You, it's just a beautiful growing medium. And it's something that pretty much anyone can make for free. I mean, aside from the initial setup of, you know, getting some worms, which really yeah. networking, you could probably get for free too. And that's something that will take care of itself in, you know, into the future. 
So we don't really bring anything on site fertility wise. The only thing I do, I try as much as possible to lead and teach exactly what I would teach others. So if you don't have the space to compost, or if you choose to be not do the warm bins, that's fine. I still want to see people growing food. So I do, I have green stock gardens. They're a pretty, pretty sweet vertical garden where you can grow, you know, like seven tall, six around type of thing. So, you know, 30, 40 plants and two square feet, right? Um, so that's geared towards somebody who might be living in a condo or an apartment or have a super, super small space they're working with. They're not going to have room to make their own compost. So I put in, I buy bag soils only for those. Do I have enough soil on site? that I could use it for that. Yes. But I want to be able to show people apples to apples. Look, this is what I'm doing. This is what you can do too. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Well, very good. Um, I mean, it's probably a silly question, but the best place for people to find you and learn from you is the YouTube channel, right? Or where else can they go? What are some resources? The YouTube channel is a, a great spot. I'm, I think somewhere around the neighborhood of a hundred videos all on how to basic vegetable gardening tips, tricks, um, that kind of thing. I also have my website. It's got, we do a seed club. We have curated collection of seeds. I have classes online. A lot of them. I also do in person as well. I do consultations. I'm also on social media. So, you know, Instagram and Facebook and all that jazz. Um, so I do, you know, semi almost every day I'll throw out a tip or what's going on in the garden. Um, so yeah, lots of different ways to connect. Excellent. Well, at least thanks so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your knowledge. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. It's great talking. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the finding genius podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.